We're not getting a good shit so, in there. The red light is now on. The red light. Okay. Thank oh, you for that call. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna Linux. A pickup truck? Is a that what you're saying? Yeah. Linux? Yeah. You just spray it on the outside and shit. It makes yeah, the it the whole outside. Yeah. But you said you wanted the Jeep. I said, but a Jeep would probably be better because then just in case we have window damage i can easily replace a window on a jeep compared to yeah i get you truck. there but you know piss on i think, get you a humvee i think you oh, need I'm a down with that. chevy pickup freaking truck. Humvee, a humvee with is a probably... snorkel and everything and i will dive into a little creek real fast but, and be like wah, wah, wah. dude you gotta get you a chevy pickup truck we, oh, we, we've already seen that chevy pickup trucks definitely stand up to tornadoes yeah. oh yeah they do hey they, if they it, if it they gets bought that up, kid, chevy yeah. will give you a new one yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's amazing i just want to make sure i have enough gopros to capture it all so then i can get viral famous hell there yeah you go. okay hey this is episode six welcome welcome fucking episode so six excited. already jesus christ it seems like we just started this like two weeks Six ago. Six weeks ago? Yeah. Well, the episodes are getting better every time. Oh, yeah, We're learning right. a bit. And it didn't help much that I uh, messed up that one still. So. <laughs> well, this is technically okay. episode seven. Yeah, really think about it. But that's okay. It's, it's coming around. It's all good. Oh, so it's going to be a stormy night tonight. Joe is actually at his remote location. <laughs> yes, yes. So I'm, he's experiencing the weather thing. down south. And, mm-hmm. uh, of course, uh, Keith is kind of in between where Joe is and where I am. Yeah. I'm covering the northern end, and we're just getting all of this weather blowing through today. Yep, yep. And luckily, but also sadly at the same time, I'm just far enough north for now that I'm not getting all the tornadoes. I mean, we're looking at lots of tornadoes down in uh, Mississippi, Alabama, right there on the state line there. There's just tornado warnings out the ass. And folks are all right down crazy. there. Crazy. Yeah, pray. I hope they're all right. There's, there's, Lots of storm chasers out there. I've subscribed to Ryan Hall, y'all, on YouTube, and I always watch him when there's uh, severe weather going on. He's got guys like Reed Timmer right. on there, and man, it, they fucking get at it. Folks, the last thing you want to do in severe weather is get in your pickup truck and drive into the storm. Okay, leave that up to professionals like myself. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I have so many ideas on different cameras and different setups that we could do for it too. So I'm starting. I just need to. I just need you to mount a GoPro to the roof of my truck. I'll do. We'll go, man. Dude, we'll we'll have way more than just one. We're gonna have a lot. Oh yeah, we're gonna need. I'd like to have 360 degree coverage, ideally, but if you could get get at least 270. Oh yeah. You know. We'll get it set up. Yeah. You got to really get a panoramic shot if you're going to go out and get some really good weather photography because 
you know, just a, a, that normal shot is too narrow of a view of the sky. You really got to open it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And for I know sure. you guys know how to do stuff with images as long as they're taken in raw. You can do a lot of um, Photoshop things to bring out the details in the clouds that never show up in a good photograph. Right. Yeah, we could do multiple exposure bursts and stuff and get high def look on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think we all saw the high def burst that happened at the fucking Oscars the other night. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I mean, yeah, Will Smith was wrong. I'm not going to say that Chris Rock was wrong. He's a comedian. He's making a joke. He was doing but, a job. Uh, and it wasn't even that offensive of a joke i don't even think that will smith wanted to do it i I think that this is a case of toxic feminism and that's about all i have to say on this i think this is a case of sheer cuckoldry yeah it is like that whole definition of it i really do i feel bad for will smith I mean, part of me does. Part of me feels bad for the guy because of all the shit he's been through with her. There's part of me that feels bad, but there's also another part of me that says, "Get rid of her." Have some self-control. Have some self-respect. Yes. I don't give a shit about the Oscars. I wouldn't have known that anything happened if this wasn't plastered all over social media. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's just say the um, the memes have been fucking gold. It's overrun. It is. Hey, um, speaking of things that aren't overrun, what what the hell is the Ohio General Assembly doing to our election process? Well, we talked about this a little bit on our last episode. I don't know if it was the main episode or the bullshit episode. I think I mean the behind the scenes episode. Yeah, Uh, that BSF. B.S. No, uh, this is a real fucking issue and everybody needs to be aware of what our General Assembly has going on right now. And we're going to provide a link for some people to take a look at. Um, I cannot seem to click on the link right now. Double click it. um, Or right click on it. Oh, there it goes. Uh, Thank God I have tech guys right here live to help me out. So, um, basically, they've screwed up our primary election because of gerrymandering. Uh, if you're not aware of what gerrymandering is, it's where they start redrawing all the congressional district lines. And they'll draw these lines to favor one side or the other to give bias. Uh, it's all a bunch of political bullshit. Both sides are guilty of doing it right now. There's something similar going on in the state of Delaware. Um, but No, that can't happen in Delaware. The, the president's from Delaware, and he wouldn't let such a thing happen in his home state. Okay, but it is happening. So fuck Joe Biden, <laughs> and we're going to talk about Ohio right now because I don't live in Delaware, and Delaware is a sovereign state, and they can do whatever they feel necessary thank you very much but i live in ohio and this shit pisses me off so the ohio supreme court uh overturned 
the most recent redistricting map because it's bullshit. So with that overturned, the, uh, the state of Ohio cannot legally hold a primary election for congressional seats because they don't even know what the districts are at this point. And I believe they have until this Friday to fix this issue or they're going to have to push our primaries back to June also that they can gerrymander our fucking congressional districts to favor their politics. Now, let's be specific here. This isn't for United States Congress. This is for the General state. Assembly and State Senate. Yes. But, but still, it's fucking bullshit because those are more important those legislatures are, exactly. than the federal government. Thank Who you for saying about that. The federal legislature. I want to know who's running our state. Yes. Who's writing these laws and passing them? This is about, as I just said, the sovereignty of our state. The federal government can only do so much, even though they're always trying to do more. It is truly the state government that governs most of our lives. So, um, so the fourth version of the maps have been submitted and approved today, or not today, but uh, Tuesday. <coughs> and, uh, Anyways, the Supreme Court still has to approve them. Jesus. Weigh in on that, yeah. Oh, shit. And we'll see if they turn it down. Maybe fifth time's a charm, right? Well, let's let's think about this in a good perspective here. A, these, a good perspective. These steps that are being... Yeah, this is... This is our government, how things are supposed to go. It... it it's a good thing that the Supreme Court is involved in this because if not, oh, yeah. that first map would have been approved and we would have not been able to say a fucking thing about it. Right. Fucking A, separation of powers works. Yes, it does. And I said this in, uh, in an earlier episode, and it was in regards to the federal government, but governmental gridlock is a good thing. If there's no gridlock in the government then the government is just out there passing laws and doing whatever the fuck they want. And that's not a good thing. But, but it's how they try to solve the gridlock that becomes a problem because yeah, they use they corruption. Like the they try to change the rules of the system mm -hmm. to favor one side or the other. And again, I that's think we what... talked about this in the last episode or the episode before. Cause this is just how our government works. You know, they, they, one body will try to uh, pass a piece, piece of legislation or enact a policy in some way or another, and um, the separation of powers and those checks and balances are, are enacted and, and stop that body. And then, oh, well, that didn't work. So, okay, let's just change the rules so we, we can get around that. Let's, if there's not a loophole, let's create one. That's it. It's uh, it's the degradation of our our federalist democracy. Yeah. So, but yeah, like, uh, I'm glad this is 
been a long process. But then again, it does not look good because, you know, there's talk about delaying our primary. Now they're interfering not, with our election process. Now, yeah, now it's interfered with that. And playing playing politics is one thing, but when it when it, it's so obviously and clearly is interfering with a free election, that's that's an issue. I right. You know, man, I don't know that it is. I really don't know that it is interfering with a free election. A free election yeah, is, is an election that election. is free and fair we all get to go vote on this day on the issues that matter in our state or our locality um and yeah it sucks that date might get changed but if the date didn't get changed so they had to fair and fair like i said a little bit ago if that those yeah that check and balance wasn't the gerrymandering would have. Um, I think we might be losing Joe due to and we did it, and we're waste of you know, good people. Yeah, oh, are we? Yeah, you're Uh-oh. glitching pretty good. You're glitching. Air that hotel Wi Fi. Hotel Wi Fi. That high winds down there, man. You can tell your neighbor to stop streaming so much porn. You need exactly. a little more bandwidth. Yeah. Okay, let me see. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to hop on a, another network here. You guys go ahead. Um, yeah. I guess a primary is more of a party line election. Um, and I've always kind of hated the primary election for that reason, uh, because they make you declare a party line. Well, that's bullshit. I shouldn't have to declare a party. Right. If I want to vote Republican, uh, if I want to vote Democrat, number one, that's none of your business. Number two, I, that could change all the time. I'm not voting based on uh, a party line. I, I don't care what letter is next to the name. I want to know about the person. I want to know about their policies. So uh, primaries have always kind of got me. Um, and I'll be honest, unless there's a big local issue, I'm not going to go and vote in a primary election. It may sound horrible, but it's because they want you to de- declare a party line. Um and I, I vote every any time that there's a vote, I'm voting. And that's good. You should be like that. Um, but around here, I think I brought this up last time. It's always in the May election that these local levies try to sneak through a new levy or something when there's not going to be a lot of voter turnout, and they know that. So I always try to keep a eye out for those kind of levies popping up on the ballot. Um, school board was really good about that. Really good. But we already talked about school boards. Yep. They all have their own levels of corruption Mm -hmm. 
and they have inadvertently created a new demographic that even federal politicians now have to mind. Yep. They have to change their policies and their uh, electoral tactics because it's it's not just minorities and and white people and uh, college educated people anymore. Those were like the three big demographics that that uh, these parties would consider when they're planning their their campaigns. Who are they going to pander to? Now it's shifted. It's shifted a lot. Yeah. But speaking of that, uh, you put a little link in here for how you <laughs> find out state and federal senate stuff yeah. like that. Tell me about yeah. that. Yeah. Ballotpedia is a ballotpedia.org. Um, we can put probably a link in the in the notes here or in the description of this video, but yep. Uh, it, it tells you a lot of stuff. You can look, like he said, you can look at your state elections. You can look at the federal elections. I think it even does some local elections and stuff too. So uh, it's a really good resource. Sorry, I'm just trying to catch up on some notes here. Oh, well, you know. But um, something else here that I was looking at earlier this week, Mike Rowe. You guys know Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs. He I does a whole lot. And now he's become a spokesperson for tradespeople. And I mean, the people uh, out there working hard every day in numerous trades from uh, oil drillers to mechanics and farmers and all kinds of folks doing. He the... talks to the trash man. He talks to the sewage worker. He talks to everybody. The he HVAC, talks to the people that plumbers, make our society, electricians. Well, he has started a uh, a little foundation here to try and help people get the training they need, and. Um, He's giving out scholarships for people to go to trade schools. It's a great thing. He's got a million dollars sitting there ready to pay people to go to trade schools. And it's a trade of your choice, HVAC, electrician, mechanic, whatever it may be. But uh, you can get to those scholarships at microworks.com backslash scholarships. You can type that into Google. You can find them on Facebook. Look into it. It's a great thing, especially right now, because uh, the job market right now, it, it, it really is an employee's market. You can, it is. Uh, you can move around jobs right now and you know find whatever you need, whether it's more money, better hours, better working conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, but you could also retrain Um for a lot of these people who, you know, they're sick of the low wage work and, uh, you know, grinding away for hours of your life and not making any money, you make a lot more money getting into something like HVAC or becoming an electrician. Or a plumber. Uh, a plumber. Put an investment into yourself and uh, you'll see your quality of life improve. 
Well, let's let's be clear. It's it's not much of a monetary investment. It, it's and it's not even that much of a, a a time dedication sort of investment either. I mean, these trade schools go for a year or two and spend maybe a couple grand, two, three, four grand. You come out of there as an apprentice, knowing a lot, and and you're not in debt like you would be. Okay, you just said MicroWorks has a million dollars sitting there ready to pay people to go to school and learn a trade. Okay, if if we were given a million dollars in scholarships to people to go to college and get a degree, okay, so a million dollars would give like what five six scholarships and then Maybe the money 20. would be gone. <laughs> Maybe the 20. money would be gone. But you trade give a million dollars in trade school scholarships, you're talking, yes. you're talking, and and a couple hundred people. That's that's quite, a big difference. Quite often, uh, something that you want to understand here um, to really master a trade, it does take years of practice and 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 training. But the school is very short, and the school is designed to teach you. Uh, the theory of operations, the basics of the trade, and uh, an, a, an intro into uh, your specified trade, whether it's repair or whatever it may be. Um, but then you actually go out on the job, and you get on the job training in an apprentice-type relationship, if you will. It's not quite an apprenticeship. Uh, although they they do have apprenticeships for many jobs. Um, mm -hmm. But you go and you work for, you know, a year or two and you learn your trade and, and you move up, you become a craftsman. And uh, as you progress, you'll eventually become a master in that. But uh, as it is in life to master anything, it takes years of practice. So it's not something that you going to master overnight but you can certainly get a head start and uh these trade schools are that head start that you need yeah for sure and honestly that's not the route i went i, I regret not going that route and i might be in a different place than i am now had i Amen. chosen that route but i went the I oh i'm gonna go to college route because that's what was drilled into our heads when we were kids. Exactly. And, right. and, you know, I was just a dumb kid. All I cared about was chasing ass and having fun and playing music. And I mean, I also, just for people that don't know me, I had horrible willpower and I still don't have that great of willpower. <laughs> <laughs> I like food and I like beer and I like having fun. But, uh, you know, as a kid that, was drilled into had drilled into my head you have to go to college if you ever want to be anything yeah uh, I, I just went with that and then fucked it up and right there and i never go. got number one i didn't get the degree didn't even get close but i ended up with a bunch of debt more debt i ended up in my couple of years of college i ended up with more debt than i would have ended up with going to trade school and getting probably oh i don't know 
five or six different certifications. Right. In yeah. five or six different fields. So, but I digress. I didn't go that route. And I just went to work. I went to work as a, as a just general laborer, operator, whatever you want to call it, and worked my way up. And I ended up learning it, learning on the job how to, how to do what I do. Hey, um, I just want to interject here and say some of our greatest generals began their careers as a private. Some of them. So, some of them. Others went to West Point. Whatever. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. I mean... And then you become an officer. Right. You go to college and enter in the military, you're an officer. Anyway, going on. I'm just saying, um, some of our best leaders started at the bottom and worked their way up, clawed their way to the top. So that's not really anything to be ashamed of. Um, it's exact opposite. Yeah, you yeah. did it the hard way, but you made it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. Oh, I see you got the, I'm just looking at our notes here. Uh, did we talk about the Air Force Museum last week? No, we didn't. We actually saved that for you. Yeah. Oh. And museums oh. in general, really. Well, I tell you what. I ended up going that next day after we talked about it. And man, it's incredible. I want to go again already. What we're talking kids, about is the kids the, already want to go again. It's the uh United States Air Force <laughs> Museum located at Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Uh, Dayton, Ohio. It's, it's free, uh, free to get in. It's open to the public seven days a week. Uh, it's it's quite large now. They've had several editions. Uh, you can walk Dude. through the entire history of flight, um, the history of military flight. Uh, from uh, the our first, uh, the Wright Flyer, which was developed right there in Dayton, Ohio, by 1903. Yep, the Wright brothers. And but uh, I I gotta say that was an understatement when you said it was rather large. This place is fucking enormous. Well, it's I mean it's a whole lot of aircraft. Aircraft take up a lot of room. Yeah. I mean it is fucking enormous, and I just but it's even say, more. I made a mistake. Aircraft wearing cowboy boots that day because that's mm -hmm. a lot of fucking walking in cowboy yeah. boots. Wear comfortable shoes, you're going to be walking. Oh, Definitely. yeah. Um, but there's so much more there than just the aircraft. Uh, there's history everywhere. They have a portion uh, that talks about the uh, Berlin airlift after World War II, mm -hmm. which is an often forgotten about period of history. Uh, they have a small portion that talks about the Holocaust. Uh, they had a traveling exhibit in there that was Da Vinci's machines, which was fascinating. And that's a new one. That's a new one. And that was really yeah. cool. That was, they really have, cool. it's actually interactive. Yep. Ooh, they have awesome. seven, seven, uh, air force ones 
um, of course, aircraft from all different eras going clear back to World War One. Yep. And actually, that that presidential section you're talking about with Air Force One, we didn't even get to see that. Oh, there's our listeners. If if you're gonna go, make a day of it because you want to see everything. You want to be able to spend time at these exhibits. I mean, yeah, it's fucking awesome to walk through and look at all the aircraft and maybe read a little bit about them and just be standing next to them. But you really want to be able to take the time to walk along the exhibits that, you know, they've got plaques here and there that tell you about the Berlin airlift or the Holocaust or, or this one little piece of history. And it's got like, you know, the, 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 the not so famous pilots uh, flight jacket and, and what he was carrying in his pocket when he was shot down. And I mean, it's, you want to be able to do all of this. So, I mean, me and the kids were there for, two and a half hours and by the end of it i was feeling rushed because it was time to go they were yeah. closed soon and i had to get the kids home but two and a half hours is not near enough we and didn't if get you... to see the presidential part we didn't get to see the space part i mean it was the space part up. is really cool um when i uh, we went into the missile silo where they've got the ICBMs oh, and the That's kids were looking up That's and they said, what are these? Are these space rockets? And I said, no guys. Are, well, those are nukes. Those are nukes. And I was like, it shocked them. They were just looking at me like I was crazy. And I said, well, I'll tell you what guys come back this way. And we started walking back through the museum backwards. And I was pointing out all the nu- nuclear bombs that were in there yeah. and it, it just blew their mind. Yep. Yeah. So Mike, that was my kids' favorite part was when we, um, we were in the world war two section and we came up on box car. Yeah. Uh, the B 25 yeah. that, that dropped fat man on Nagasaki. And, you know, we're standing there and my oldest daughter says, Wow, this is so cool. She's she's been getting uh-huh. interested in, in nuclear bombs, atom bombs, and um, hydrogen bombs, and thermonuclear weapons. She's just really fascinated by the the power of that stuff. And then once we're standing disturbing. there, I know, right? I know, right? She she jokes that she's on a on a on a quest for world domination, but you know, it's a little bit Doctor Evil. <laughs> well, we have. You know, we've watched uh, Goldmember like twice nice. in the past month as a family because we just think it's hilarious. Nice. But, uh, but no, we were standing there next to Boxcar and uh, she's like, wow, that's really cool. One of those planes just like that. And I'm like, no, that's that's the plane that did it. The exact plane that dropped Fat Man on Nagasaki. And she's like, wait. That plane right there, that very that exact plane, plane That's and just right. look on her face when she realized, holy shit, this is fucking history. I'm standing next. This to. is live, real, tangible history. Yes, that's the actual plane, and she, you know, I was ready to move on, and she she wouldn't didn't want to move. She's still standing there reading, reading the signs that they've got there on the on the railing, and they also have um, replicas of 
Fat Man and Little Boy. For those listeners that aren't real keen on their World War II history, Fat Man was the atomic bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki. It was the second bomb dropped on Japan. And Little Boy was dropped by the Enola Gay, another B-25. It dropped uh, Little Boy on Hiroshima. And so they've also got replicas of those two bombs standing there. And God love her. After she realized that was the actual plane, she looked at these replicas and was like, oh my gosh. So does that mean that these are the actual bombs that they dropped on on Japan, and I'm like, okay. Think, Think about, about what that, you darling. just, <laughs> darling. And she it took her a second and a half. She goes, oh god, that was a dumb question. <laughs> they exploded. <laughs> yeah, uh, they know more. So yeah. I, I had to proceed to tell her that you know, it's a good thing you're pretty, little girl, because that was a dumb question. <laughs> uh, that's okay. She's innocent with that. Dude, I'm getting but, excited because yeah. I'm that place go. is great. After hearing you guys all talk about it and stuff the last couple times that we were on the phone and stuff, it uh definitely inspired me to want to schedule a time to go out there probably in the next month with the kids, Do especially it. with oh, Ronan man. being seven and stuff. I mean, he's on a oh, he's gonna love it, especially getting in the cockpit. Take some money for that gift shop, yeah, dude. Yeah, take some. I see we didn't stop at the gift shop, I'm not yeah. that shit because, and I'm telling you what, I can go there anytime in there. Close, you, you're gonna see shit in that gift shop that you fucking want. It is the coolest fucking gift shop I've ever ever been it through. Is. They have so much shit. Yeah, you're gonna get coffee mugs and hats, but they're really fucking cool coffee mugs and hats. <laughs> right. Alright. Really fucking cool. And then they got like all puzzles and 3D figures and models and all kinds of shit. And it's not yeah, just the for models, the Air Force. They do the have stuff really for every branch. And it's all through history and the books that they have there. Oh my God. Dude, the I book. wanted the shirt they had they had a shirt in the display window along that new entrance. They've got the gift shop window right there. And uh, there was a mannequin wearing a bright red shirt with just white lettering said, remove before flight. I want that fucking shirt. That oh, shit is cool as hell. Those little flags hang off of every plane. I know. I know. Just, off of every point on the plane, they just hang there. I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, Nick. <laughs> What was your favorite exhibit? The Air Force Museum. God damn it. You can't ask me that. You can't ask me that. I'm 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 an absolute air force. I will tell you, I will tell you my current favorite exhibit. And it's because it's new to the Air Force Museum. Um, and it is a legendary aircraft. You have to respect it. Everybody knows it because of the movie Memphis Bell. The beautiful, beautiful lady herself is sitting right there in a corner, a massive exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have a have an amazing World War II exhibit in there, in their World War II era section uh, that spans um, D-Day, and they cover the Pacific. Um, 
They've got some Japanese aircraft in there. They've got German aircraft in there. They've got a lot of our aircraft in there. They got things that you never even thought were capable of flying. Some of these uh, gyrocopters and um, the first ever drone was in there. It, well, they didn't call it a drone. It was a, a remote controlled target. But it had a little engine on it, had a wingspan of about seven foot. And they'd take it off and fly it around so somebody could shoot it down. But that was your first drone right there way back. Mm -hmm. I think they dated that in 1932. I so, think there was, there's one that was earlier than that. Maybe. It was, it was, it was, uh, looked like a little biplane, but it was uh -huh. a torpedo. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? No, I no, think. no. This was back before that. It was, it was just as you came into the uh world war ii well you know where the strawberry bitch is sitting the strawberry bitch yeah. by the way is a gorgeous gorgeous bomber it's such a uh, another legendary aircraft there but it was right across the aisle from that um and i, I i've always admired the strawberry bitch of course it's been at the air force museum for a long long time the Memphis Bell is a new addition, um, and but, hey, when since you're talking about the Memphis Bell, the artwork, the nose work on that, that that woman that's on there, uh, that that was uh, a pinup illustration in uh, Esquire magazine in April of 1941, and they've got uh, a a copy of that that fold out sitting kind of catty cornered to, to the plane and, and this, uh, Memphis bell exhibit. The artwork's great. The artwork is amazing. But when you look at that woman, it, oh. well, World War oh. two, World War two oh. is incredible. It that is. right there. I, I hate today's standards of, feminine beauty uh, this hair is a fucking woman that's right curves class and you don't even see her face her face is turned away from you but god those art was good good stuff uh, and i just another good thing that the air force museum does and they presented excellent excellent is how um, they really portray women and black people throughout the history of the Air Force and flight. Um, and it's it, it's all throughout the museum where you see, uh, you know, such as the all the first all female uh, intercontinental flight crew. Um, the first black general of the air force uh which was back in the 50s by the way um I, I guess what i'm getting at here is aerospace has always been far ahead of its time uh it has always required the absolute best okay and it didn't matter if that was uh, a man or a woman if they were black or white or whatever 
they just had to be the best at their job because lives were at stake. So, uh, yep. Yep. And also there's a really fucking amazing exhibit there on the Tuskegee airmen. There really is. Oh Um, man. That, that is a great piece of history right there. It is now, uh, I had the honor, the unit that I served in while I was in the Air Force. And uh, while I was in, we actually had a reunion of the Tuskegee Airmen on base. Oh, uh, nice. It was hosted on our base. And our, uh, our flight commander, his tail art had the, uh, the, red, the red tail in honor of oh, okay. the Tuskegee Airmen. Okay. And it was really interesting. They did a, uh, a flyby that day with an F-16, a P-52 Mustang. That was pretty oh, awesome. Dude, I love the Mustang. You got to love, love the, Mustang. the Mustang. That is such an incredible, was... incredible aircraft. And you think that's an all-mechanical plane. Yes, and, it is. And... and it was the perfect answer to the Messerschmitt. It was. It was. It was. Don't get me wrong. The British had some very fine aircraft. Uh, but that P-51 Mustang. Yeah. And the, and the Zero. They were up against the Zero, too. Yeah. Yeah. What, I was, think the, the, what was the British? The British was the, the Spitfire? They had Spitfires. Um they had a, uh, I think it was a light bomber called the Mosquito. But in terms, of, in terms of fighter planes. Fighter, fighter planes, the Spitfire was their main go-to. And they were pretty badass, too. They all sounded cool as shit. Fuck yeah, they had that Rolls-Royce engine in them. Oh. Okay, enough about history. We're going to bore our fucking listeners to death nerding out on this shit. (laughs) Just everybody go to the United States Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio. It's It's, free. It's fucking free. If you don't do it, then fuck you. Okay, so even if they also have an IMAX theater. Yeah. Even if you don't go, at least go to the website. I'm going to put that in the description for you as well. Nice. 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 Guys, I think... uh, I think it's time we need to take a moment here. And... uh, Remember somebody who I know touched all of us. That's Taylor Hawkins. Uh, we're all very, very sad to hear of his passing. I, I almost cannot listen to the song "My Hero" without. I know. Welling yeah. up. I know. For those that don't know, uh, and the I know you're not a TikTok Fighters. guy, but my TikTok has been flooded with covers of that song and all different genres. And every time, it's just like one of the most powerful things. It's just so emotional. And I, I hate, I hate that he's gone. I hate it, 
hate it, hate it. But to know that that guy overdosed on drugs, it it just twisted the knife in my heart. It was pretty rough pill to swallow. It did. It did. That, you hate to see uh, that. I, it, it. My wife says, you know, that's what that's what fame and and fortune do to a lot of people. But this guy was a part, an integral part of, of one of the most famous and influential bands in American rock history, in world rock history. And, and he still, for some reason, had to, had to medicate himself with drugs. I mean, we all know money isn't happiness. And, and no, it's right. fucking not. But God damn it, um, isn't playing alongside of Dave Grohl for millions of fans? Man, that, it's lifestyle habits. You maybe that's but the thing I'm, about addiction, about any long-term drug use, or and, I mean any addiction. No matter what it is, gambling, shopping, heroin, uh, well, it, porn, it, they're me, all addictions. They all hit the brain the same. And in order to break those cycles, it takes absolute lifestyle changes. And that's got to be incredibly hard for a guy like Taylor Hawkins, who is in the rock and roll life. They're out there touring. They're making music. That That is that lifestyle. And, you know, I think for somebody who's in that lifestyle to try and break the addiction cycle, they have to absolutely leave it and walk away from the music and all of it. And, and how do you ask somebody, how do you ask one of the Foo Fighters to absolutely turn and walk away from the band? Right. I mean, I, that's, that's a common story. Yeah. You have to just completely change your lifestyle. But I think that's an outdated, it, that's an idea that's becoming outdated. Because, you know, for decades we've had this perception of drug abuse to be a choice, which it, in a sense, kind of is, but it also kind of isn't. I mean, most drug addicts that continue to be addicts, they battle with mental health problems. Um, yes. And not that these guys were drug addicts, I don't know if they were or not, but um, let's look at Chester and um, um, Chris Cornell. Yeah. These guys were supremely successful and legendary artists, especially yes. Chris Cornell. But they also had these mental health problems, you know, that led to their death. And but this is this is indicative of the bigger problem in this country of one the mental health crisis that it's obviously epidemic. exists and two the addiction epidemic um they go hand in hand we know the war on drugs isn't going to fucking fix no. The addiction crisis. We've been fed that line of bullshit since the 80s and they haven't done anything but throw more money at shit. The drugs yeah. keep pouring in. That's the, yeah. You can't uh, keep throwing addicts Ronald in Reagan prison. Fucked up. Mm -hmm. You can't keep throwing addicts in prison. That's not how this problem is going to get there. Uh, and I also not. have to say the the other side too is that you can't also be throwing 
pipes and shit at people either to make it. No, you, you, like, that's, that's the thing. I, I don't know if you guys have ever really been around a true drug addict, but being an enabler is not the way to help somebody. You can't enable them. <clears throat> but you do have to uh, be sympathetic and understand that it's a very difficult thing that they're going through that attacks them mentally, physically, spiritually, on every level. Possible, yeah. Definitely. So it, it 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 takes a kind heart and a firm hand, if you will. It's a lot like raising a stubborn child. It totally is. It's it's. And that's the thing is it's a very difficult thing um right and everybody's story is different maybe it wasn't that they had or a bad past that drove them into addiction maybe they're not suffering from some mental illness that is driving this addiction uh you know maybe they're just down on their times it happens it, it does, but let's be clear. Um, addiction does lead to mental illness. Addiction, all addiction. Every single case. Addiction every, is a mental illness. No, and a every, physical illness. I'll tell you this right now. Every single addiction ends in death. They all, if it, any addiction runs its full course, it kills you. End of story. Um, yeah. You have to break that cycle at some point. The point in case is smokers, alcoholics. I mean, alcoholics is, is the easiest example right there. I think everybody knows somebody who was an alcoholic, um, maybe not first person, but second or third person. And, and I mean a true alcoholic who drank themselves to death. And it's an ugly, ugly thing. And I have a few friends who are alcoholics, and I know it's going to kill them, but they're not changing their lifestyle. And you can't help somebody who doesn't want help. I feel it's, attacked. It's sad. It's not you, Joe. You're not you're not near that. No, honestly, let's be let's be clear about this. If but, if I keep drinking to the extent that I do, it will kill me. Yes, it although, will. although I don't drink in the morning because I am shaking or I, I, I don't get the shake. It's not to that extent, but eventually it probably will. Well, I don't care what your addiction is. It all affects you. it all affects your brain the same way. And I mean, whether it's <laughs> shopping, gambling, porn, drugs alcohol, driving fast, jumping out of airplanes, whatever it is that gets you going, whatever that addiction is, it's the same chemicals that are flooding your brain mm -hmm. all across the board. Um, you want to really put this into perspective, just uh, read a little bit about Ted Bundy. I know he had a documentary out there, but um, that's a guy whose addiction led to absolutely serial killer homicidal rages. It was addiction that drove him to kill. 
ultimately that's what it was so just remember all those little addictions they're either going to kill you or they're going to lead you to killing somebody else ted bundy grew up in a great household with a great family he didn't have a bad childhood that turned him into a sadistic killer. Well, I, there's there's a little more to it than just addiction with Ted Bundy and a lot of serial killers. These guys are fucking uh, psychopaths. They and, are, but what drove them there? You want to know what started it? Pornography. Uh, uh, that, I think no, this is going to have to be a topic that we need to... Uh, that's behind the paywall kind of topic. I think so, because because there's there's a lot to unpack context. there. Because psychopathy that's one isn't we can tackle later. Psychopathy isn't, but just started by fucking watching porn. It isn't. No, it, it's, it's the addiction cases, of it, the continued abuse of that. It's it's the, it's always searching it's a for a bigger high trying to get the next high and you build up a tolerance just like with any drug and you need more of that to get high mm -hmm. you know two beers doesn't get you drunk anymore joe it gets me drunk but it won't get you drunk nope two it's all about tolerance now if you were really pushing that buzz you'd be down in you know a case a night a case and a half every night trying to get drunk. And this, it's the same thing. Gambling, all of it. And that's where it starts. That's when it tends towards psychosis. Yeah, yeah I think you're on to something there. But hey, I mean, so let's, let's step back a little bit here. Um, how far into it are we, guys? 54 minutes. Okay. okay. Well, this has been a pretty heavy episode, especially once we got talking about Taylor and and going on about the yeah. uh, the mental illness epidemic in our society. But before we go, I want to do something a little bit more lighthearted, but still serious at the same time. Uh, one of you guys have put something on our our notes about uh, teaching gun safety to our kids. This is really important. It is. So it, it it's important. And it's also not like super fucking heavy like that stuff. And I, cause I don't want to end this episode like that. Yeah. So, um, whoever put that on here that what, you guys want to do a little commentary on that. Yeah, sure. So, uh, just speaking about, you know, it's getting ready to be spring and stuff and everyone's going to start going outside. If you are a gun owner, and you have kids definitely start taking the time to figure out how to get out into the range how to teach your kids the safety that they should have and respect for uh, the tools that you own and know how to operate and know how to know if it's empty or not so that they can understand how that it's safe or if it's it's loaded and so it's hot and teaching them early and teaching them often this principles you know will save lives countless of lives because they will not only be able to protect themselves but they could be in a situation where they have to protect someone else 
um, in the instance of another kid finding a gun to this kind of spurred off from a terrible accident that happened um, where a cousin ended up shooting uh, their cousin and then ended up shooting themselves. So uh, I don't want to ever see that happen against young kids, man. They were like uh, 10 and or no 12 and 14. I mean, they barely had life. Ignorance kills. It does, especially when it comes to gun safety. And, you know, I mean, number one, folks, if if you have weapons in the house, you need to keep them locked up. Um, you really do. That's uh, especially with kids around, but uh, even more for uh, a home intruder if you're not there. Um, I, I say keep your guns locked up, keep them safe. Yeah. Uh, safety, security of your weapon is everything. Uh, anybody who served in the military will know exactly what I mean. You don't want to re- lose your rubber gun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go so far and no. say hey, that, that you rubber gun have it locked up, but you could still, you know, keep it safe. Keep it safe. For I, I don't know. I've never been. I'm. I'm not a. A veteran. I've I'm not been a in veteran the service, either, but, but that rubber gun was always fucking loaded. Whenever you always. touched, it, wasn't it? No, every, every gun, gun, every gun is always loaded. No, I've been handling even if it's weapons, not loaded, it's loaded. I've been handling weapons for, we'll say, over 25 years at this point, and every time I pick one up, I'm scared it's going to go off. Um. I, I've been thoroughly trained on how to safely handle weapons. Um, I always check to make sure the chamber's clear. Mag or clip is dropped. There's no ammo in the weapon. And I still think mm-hmm. it's going to go off in my hand. Yep. You keep your finger off your trigger until you are ready to fire. And you remember that anything that you point that gun at, you want to kill. Anything that you point that gun at. Hey, this makes me want to revisit the Will Smith thing. Uh, I kind of have a good bit of respect for Will Smith. And this has really got nothing to do with what happened at the Oscars. But I I thought of it when I was thinking about what, what happened at the Oscars and how I feel about Will Smith. I do have respect for this guy because um, back when that incident happened with Alec Baldwin on the set of whatever film Rust. or TV show he was fi- uh, filming, uh, you know, he unfortunately killed that woman. I think it was a woman. Yeah, it was. Because he was not respecting the safety rules that y- you should when handling a weapon. And you know, he thought it was a, a prop gun. I don't I don't know what happened with that. But a woman lost no. her life. And but you know, during that time, you know, that shit was all over Facebook and the internet. And I remember seeing a, a video come across my feed a couple times of Will Smith. Uh, somebody just happened to be recording Will Smith on on set and of whatever film he was he was a part of and i don't know if it was just as a staff member on the set they were standing in front of a table and it had prop weapons on it 
and the staff member picked up this looked like a, a nine millimeter i don't know what kind uh but picked up this gun and had the barrel pointed a prop gun had the barrel pointed at will smith just had the didn't like you know draw on will smith but the barrel was just pointing in his direction and will smith immediately pushed that gun barrel away from him and gave this person a fucking look that would kill and you could see a mouth something like you stupid motherfucker what's wrong with you bingo bingo it was a prop gun it wasn't even real i don't care if it's a toy or not you don't fucking pointed at someone right and that's the thing too is that those prop guns are not just prop guns to my wife listen no they're real guns yeah straight up like they were shooting the, the ones on that rust movie and stuff they were using it to plink and get used to the feeling of how we would actually feel so when they would use blanks they would know so, oh yeah. really? So yeah, that's how that happened. So I I think that that's how it happened. But still, even if you're handed what's called a cold gun, which has blanks in it, you should still check your gun, period, and make sure what's in it before you go any yeah. further, because it's on you. And, and like Nick said, it. even after you check it, assume that it's going to kill someone. Oh yeah, yeah. Even if it's empty, like I. I take my single shot shotgun apart here and there and clean the barrel and do stuff like that. And I'm trying to learn some gunsmithing and stuff on the different things to do. And uh, I'm still worried with a barrel that has no way of firing anything through it because it's literally detached from everything that would make it fire. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah, everybody that's listening, um, first of all, I think everybody should own a gun. Just about one. everybody should own a gun. At least one, and you should know how to use it yep. for your protection and the protection of those around you. There are plenty of resources out there available for everybody to find some gun training. Um, the NRA is an excellent source of gun safety. Um, mm-hmm. They can find you uh, local people. They can help train you. Um, there's plenty of ranges around that offer courses. Uh, but uh, know your weapon. Use it safely. Yep. Yep. Hope you never have to use it and recognize that owning a gun is an insurance pos- policy. It is entirely a defensive weapon. Absolutely. And, and it's a sporting weapon episode, too. Which we probably should soon. Let's uh let's take our hats off and have a moment of silence. Oh Nick Nick needs to hear this. He he took his headphones out right quick. Nick. All right. Let's have let here's have a crazy. I'm gonna have to hop off. All right. All right. Well, let's end this. Let's have a moment of silence for all the concealed carry. Uh, licensors that uh, are out of a job in Ohio now. That's okay. They can still teach gun safety. Yeah. That's the main part of your CCW course anyways. So. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. 
we have a link tree now. If you go to linktree forward slash campfire a podcast, and that's linktr.ee forward slash campfire a podcast. You can find us on Instagram. You can search for me at nick.campfirepodcast. Or you could also find the podcast Instagram. Keith, you want to let them know what that is? Yeah, just it's go to the, the link, link tree and it's right there. And you'll find Nick through that as well. All right, Nick, go calm everybody down. It's just wind. Thanks, folks. Later.